we turn now to the reading of our scriptures. Our first reading from the Old Testament is from Genesis chapter 17, beginning with the first verse, the sign of the covenant. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make you a covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For... I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And we continue with verse 15. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Here ends the Old Testament reading. And the psalm of response is Psalm 22, beginning with the 23rd verse, a plea for deliverance from suffering and hostility. We could sure use that today. The psalmist writes, You will fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the, in the great congregation. My vows I will pray before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all those who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Here ends the psalm. And from Romans, this uh, and the gospel have often this passage in Romans and the gospel have often been used to justify abuse and oppression. So we listen with different ears today for God's still speaking voice 
in these words. Chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, God's promise realized through faith. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of all nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believed in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Here ends the reading from Paul's letters, letter to the church in Rome, probably not written by Paul. Um, and the Gospel of Mark, uh, we will read from the Gospel of Mark today, and then for the next three weeks we will read from the Gospel of John as we get closer to Holy Week. Chapter 8, beginning with the 31st verse, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, but Turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who want to lose their life for my sake and the, for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them 
to gain the whole world and profit their life. Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here ends the Gospel. Will you, will you pray with me? Dear God, meet us where we are. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. Amen. As you know, I follow Diana Butler Bass I follow her Sunday musings every week, and I was particularly interested to see what to read what she had to say today. Uh, because, what does it mean to give up your life in order to save it? It's hard to make sense of, right? And I've been thinking about Alexei Nalvani all week for days about the tragedy of the way his life ended. And what does it mean to be a martyr? And is that what Jesus was talking about, martyrdom, when he said you will have to lose your life in order to save it? And I will attach this article by Diana to the Facebook page this afternoon. It's, it's excellent the way she talks about Alexei's life, his conversion to Christianity, and how he considered what he was doing righteousness. He believed that the people of Russia are being oppressed and abused and that he was called to speak out, to, to tell the truth, to speak truth to power. And he considered that righteousness. He quoted one of the verses of the Beatitudes in, his, in the piece, that, and apparently there's a documentary on one of the streaming services that you can also watch that's excellent about how he gave his life to the cause of telling this, the truth about what's happening in Russia. And his martyrdom was not about him. It was about speaking the truth to power and calling attention to what's really going on. It wasn't for his own glory. And this is the kind of thing Jesus was talking about. Not self-flagellation, not saying, look at me, I'm marching in all these parades and I'm doing all of this, you know, 
Jesus was talking about <clears throat> living in the way of God that teaches us to speak truth to power in love. To be all about love and compassion. That when we see someone who needs help, we help them. We don't give them a list of things they have to change first. Right? I have several friends who have turned away from church because they were told that they were welcome as they are. They were told that it didn't matter what their sin was or what they had done previously in their life, that they were welcome there. And then from the time that they were with that congregation, they were encouraged to change, to be different. Now, all of us has things about ourselves that we want to change, right? To be better people. But same gender loving people are not sinners. They're same gender loving people. The same as different gender loving people. So to be expected to change that, to give up their lives for the sake of the gospel is toxic malpractice of religion, in my opinion. Jesus calls us to love and compassion that is honest and follows in the way of Jesus. And Jesus never said, don't never said anything about who to love. Jesus said, love everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. Diana Butler Bass says about um, martyrdom and losing your life. She says, those that find themselves bearing the cross, whether they wind up as martyrs or not, understand that Jesus isn't about nurturing and carrying grievances. It's about letting go of what weighs one down to make room for something bigger. Giving of, a giving of oneself to love and service to create a different kind of world you understand that taking this path might involve hardship and trial, and you still go. You still take up your cross, not for yourself, but for others. And I do believe that that's what Alexei did in his, with his life. He took up his cross. He followed the way of Jesus in order that people would know the truth about what was going on around him. That's not an easy thing to do, and in his situation, it cost him his life. I was glad to hear that his remains had been returned to his mother. Um, 
so that his family can have their hold their rituals and have some peace in their hearts now. This is a hard thing to preach on without wandering into places we don't need to go. There's, as I said, there's a difference between martyrdom for the sake of martyrdom and taking up your cross and following Christ. And we're called not to martyrdom, but to take up our crosses to follow Christ. And I wonder what that looks like in your lives. That's a good thing to think about during Lent. How do you take up your cross? What is your cross? And how is it changing your life for God? As you go from this place today, remembering who and whose you are in this season of Lent that is not about shame, but it is about saying no, and it is about taking up your cross. I pray for you all that we, all of us, remember the life of Alexi and the courage that it takes to be a disciple in these days. This, this church of stalwart believers, Alexi called himself a believer, and he said that most of the people in his cause were atheists. Most of the activists were atheists because they couldn't imagine a God that would allow things to happen like were happening. It's easy to get stuck in that, right? It's easy to say, well, isn't God going to take care of this? But remember, we are God's hands. It is God with us that makes the change that make the changes in the world that need to be made. And sometimes it's risky. Sometimes it's really not easy. And as I said, I'll post Diana Butler Bass's words on Facebook. She says it way better than I do. Let's pray. Dear God, walk with us. Give us strength and courage to be your disciples in this world. Amen.